This is a Crib Room podcast. Core Components, bringing you industry news, views, and happenings. Welcome along to another Crib Room podcast, and we're in a bit of a space at the moment where we're talking some ASX companies, and another one joining us today is Beacon Minerals, and we're joined by Graham McGarry, who has had a Beacon Minerals interest for... Oh, Jeez, a little while now, haven't April you, Mac? April 2012. Oh, that's yeah. how astute you are, Graham. You can tell us straight away. Hey, uh, just tell us about when that ride started for you with Beacon Minerals, because previous to that, there was some uh, action for Beacon around, what, west of Menzies? Yeah, Beacon uh, owned, uh, under the previous management, a tenement called known as Halley's East, East uh, which is 220 k's west of Menzies. And Jeff and I quite liked it. We were working a small prospect about another 200 kilometres northwest of there. And we bought shares in uh, in Beacon, uh, thinking it was probably a bit of a chance. And then woke up one day in December, I think it was December 2011, found out they were going to sell it out for not much money. So we weren't very happy and we lodged the Section 294. And by April 2012, we'd won that vote and we were installed into the board of Beacon. So from there, you took took on the company. Just describe that ride because next would be the Geordie Gold Project pretty much or looking yeah. at some land out there. So what we did at that point was we'd, uh, we went and mined uh, uh, Halley's East and that was reasonably financially successful. Uh, they never get exactly what you like, but the ounces come out pretty close to the ultimate downgraded, downgraded ounces that we announced to the ASX and uh, we paid a small dividend to our shareholders and retained, um, I think it was 4 or $5 million in the bank. And, during, and we'd finished that job by 2015 and 2016, we spent all of 2016 looking for another prospect, uh, similar in nature, advanced, uh, not not a big one. And in December 2016, through some local contacts, we were able to find out that this Geordie prospect had a had a bit of a chance. It's not too far along from the Cunnanulling project. What, probably 20, 30 kilometres is oh, the crow only be, Yeah, it would only be 20 k's west of the Cunnanulling project. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so that's it. That's in terms of space and north of Coolgardie. Yeah. Um, let's talk about that in particular because it's Lost Dog that's been doing a fair bit out there for you, which came from actually a lost dog, didn't it? Yeah, that's correct. That's a good story, yeah, that one. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, no, what had happened was we, we got indicated that late in 2016 and the prospect uh, we went out I uh, it was known as Cammy's Creek at that stage and even though I'd spent a lot of time out there as a teenager we never called that creek Cammy's Creek and it's named after the prospector's daughter so that's why I didn't know about it uh, we caught up with him in middle of December 2016 and by the 3rd of January he'd signed up an option agreement and initially we didn't have any big hopes for it but it looked like it was a chance and Alex McCulloch went out and designed a drill program and started drilling and it just got bigger and bigger. So, uh, you know, it, it ended up at 3 million tonnes at low grade, but it had a low mining cost. Uh, it was in the paleo channel and it was clay rich or the high grades were in the clay. So that presented some problems. But um, obviously we'd, we'd had the benefit of the prospect of putting a trial parcel through FMR's plant at Guardian, and there were some difficulties with the handling. No problems with the plant, it was the problems with the handling. So the name of Lost Dog, Glenn's asked me what happened was uh, many years ago, where my wife and we were out there on a Saturday and we had our dog in the back of the ute and uh, we, well, she says we're still going there but I thought we're coming home. We're coming home through this gate that's right next to the deposit and it was just on dark and one of us opened and closed the gate 
and by the time I got to Coolgardie, I realised the dog wasn't on the back of the ute, so I took my wife home and went back to try and find the dog and couldn't find it. And uh, obviously she jumped off, she'd smelled a, a rabbit or seen a rabbit and jumped off, and even though she wasn't very agile, she managed to get off to chase the rabbit. And uh, and that gate is very close to Lost Dog, so I'd asked to name the deposit Lost Dog, and that's how it came about. Did you ever find the dog? Yes, uh, the station owner at Geordie rang us on the Tuesday because they had that many tags around its neck, it couldn't get lost. <laughs> and uh, they rang it and said, we've got your dog. So that was three days that it finally got to the station. Yeah. And how far from the station was it? Oh, it? probably 20, 25 k's. So Gee, she, but she was overweight Labrador, so she battled to get there. <laughs> <laughs> from there, the other prospects for you out as part of Geordie, Black Cat, Black Cat South, and, and also Panther. We'll cover off those individually. Just talk about, first of all, Black Cat. Yeah, well, Black Cat we picked up very early because we saw two things. A, there was a low-grade resource they had in mind, and there was an open pit there that we could tail into. And that has worked very successfully, and we're very, very successful exercise and we're close to finishing tailing into there and that has worked well for us and we haven't drilled the adjoining deposit which is very close uh, because it's not necessary to do that there. What about the Black Cat South? Yeah that is Black Cat Black South. South so yep. There's 200,000 tonnes at 1.9 I think at a, about a 7 or 10 to 1 ratio. It's that long since I've looked at it I can't recall the details but it's it's a good little deposit at this gold price. And the Panther is probably one that you are looking at at the moment. I think you've had some drilling happening there. You're just looking at that resource at the moment. Yes, we've done two stages of drilling at a Panther and, and the results have been quite surprisingly. The, they've been quite good. So that encouraged the second stage, which is finished. We're now doing a, a model of the deposit that's being done by our consultants, BGMS. And that will be available next week. Then we'll do a final round of drilling. Already we're obviously, it's looking good enough to have a pit there. So the approval process is going through the government now. And we would expect we'd have approval by late June. The Paleo Channel was pretty attractive to you in the first place, wasn't it? The Cammy's Creek, as you called it, you, that sort of piqued your interest. But getting water and the availability to, of water to that particular part of the world, it's about 30 k's from the, the, the pipeline that comes up from Mundaring, is it? Yeah, that's correct, Glenn. So the, the, it is an ancient Paleo Channel in that the Paleo Channel is down at about 20 metres and it's about 2 or 3 metres thick and it's a, an ancient one. The more modern channel, which is Cammy's Creek, is just next door. And uh, so this is a very old channel and the gold, for some reason or other, has been mobilised in a solution form, came down most likely from the Geordie Hills and there's been an event when that, that gold that's been in solution has hit the ancient Paleo Channel and the gold's been deposited out. In this case, in, in one area there, about 1,400 metres long by 180 metres wide, it's in sufficient concentration at $1,650 an ounce to um, be a profitable operation. Some pretty interesting facts out of that one, but that's all just from some, from water because obviously to get the gold happening, you need the water too, don't you? Yeah, no, uh, and that was the other thing. Of course, we had the benefit of the prospect of Rob Fenton doing work right on the edge of this deposit, and he'd struck water, and the water was a real problem for him. He had to dispose of it, and, 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 and that was creating a lot of problems for him. And uh, so it was pretty clear that there was a major paleo channel there that not only had water in it, that, that in certain parts of it, it had gold in it. So we realised straight away that we, A, we had the water and we quickly did some research on that. And the Paleo Channel's extensive. It actually goes for about 150 kilometres. So it's, it, it goes all the way down to Kandalan and it comes out through Broad Arrow. There's fingers to it. 
the state government did a lot of work out there in the early 1990s um, and they did a lot of drilling out there and it's a credit to them, the quality of the work and what they did. And they were out there proving up the Paleo Channel for a source of water. So the water is, we're at the head head of the channel, so therefore the salt content is low compared to when you get to, say, Kandana out to Broad Arrow. So it's a pretty good water for processing gold ore. You've also had to take some measures on site at Geordie to move the, not so much the Paleo Channel, but to move the, the water through the through the operation. Have you made sure that you've moved it through where there's not going to be any future gold, that you can have access to it all? Oh, well, the water in this case doesn't contain gold. We have seen where Paleo Channel water can contain gold, but that was a unique circumstance uh, many years ago out on the gold mile. We saw that. But in this case, no, there's no water in the, no gold in the actual water. The gold is actually in the clays that sit above the water, the clays and the silcrete. Right. So, so it's pretty close to the For those who are just listening along and unsure, and this means, it just means that it's close to the surface or it's easy yeah. to access? Yeah, it's very easy. The, the ore basically starts at about eight metres, and it, and it, that's ore at today's price, or at sixteen fifty an ounce. So the ore goes from about eight to, it can be as up to 21 metres, so it can be 13 metres to 14 metres thick, the ore body. So it's, it's like a, a buried lake of which contains sufficient gold. Let's talk about some of your personnel working alongside Jeff Greenhill. How did that come about? A couple of old goldfielders from way back. Yes, well, uh, Jeff and I were involved in the original syndicate that was formed in 1984, and um, and we went up to Walloon and retreated tailings up there. That was our first job, and then we went on and did uh, jobs in South Australia, Queensland, and the Northern Territory. And ultimately, obviously, uh, we're more than happy to operate out of Kalgoorlie, so... Um, We've been involved together for 35 years now, 36 years, 35 years. Pretty passionate about keeping things local too, both of you, and uh, a head office, which is actually in Boulder. You've got some stumps and some roots there. Yeah, the official head office in the next few days will be actually, uh, and the registered office will become 144 Vivian Street, Boulder. So we think we'll be the only ASX-listed company with its registered office in certainly Boulder, and let's call it Calgary Boulder. <laughs> right next to the prison as well. Um, the uh, the other personnel with you, Alex McCulloch. Now, Alex is a, a very astute student of the School of Mines. Is that what dragged you or uh, got your attention with Alex? Oh well, what 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 had happened with Alex was he'd he'd worked on the gold mine. We we got to know him, and he worked with uh, his uncle uh, Bill Good, who he and I were, had worked together on the gold mine many years ago in the sixties. So it was a bit of a loose association there. Then ultimately Alex left KCGM and went and worked for Osdrill and moved to Perth. Now I don't think he was entirely happy in Perth, but he got his three kids educated and uh, that was life. And then he approached us, he resigned from Osdrill and approached us about three, six months after that to see if there's a position with us to work with us. And, and we took him on board and we we're quite happy with that association. Another local is Darren Gaby and you've managed to secure his services. He's been uh, on as a manager for you out at the facility out there at Geordie. Yeah, Darren uh, had been with, I think, uh, Westgold it was called. And he'd been had a lot of experience being at KCGM, Westgold and a couple of other companies, and he was due to take on a job like this, and, and Darren, uh, Darren and Alex go back a long way too, and I've known, actually played tennis with Darren's mother, so uh, Darren's a young one, um, <laughs> and we, um, uh, so we're quite happy to take Darren on, and he's still there and he's running the job.
Let's talk about the facility out at Geordie because you're what, 70 k's from Cow, pretty much, uh, about 30-odd k's north of Coolgardie, off the Coolgardie North Road. Uh, you've created a camp out there. Uh, originally, uh, pretty much you're having some drive-in, drive-out sort of action on a daily basis, but for, for employee safety, you've created a camp out there. The facilities are out there. You've got mobile phone coverage out there. It, it's a very modern feel to a, to a mine that's in, almost in the middle of, in the middle of nowhere. Well, for us, you know, we're almost back in Kalgoorlie again, where we were. We did run a plant here in Kalgoorlie in uh, 80, 87 to about, or 88 to about 91 or 92. But um, this is very well located. It's a, just a little bit too far for people moving, driving in and out of Kalgoorlie because it takes an hour, on good roads, an hour. So it's still a two-hour trip. So we try and recruit out of Coolgardie, and about a third of our workforce is uh, Coolgardie domiciled. There are about three or four people out of Calgary, but we do have fly and fly out. It's not something we like, but we have to get people, and unfortunately some of those people uh, are on fly and fly out, and uh, that's, that's the way it is. There's a lot of emerging companies that are, have land or have prospecting tenements out that particular area. Have they approached you for use of the mill or anything like that? Oh, yes. No, we get approaches like that. And, and, and uh, we're obviously keen to negotiate. And in some cases, we're able to put deals together. In some cases, we've been quite unsuccessful. And uh, we did reject some grounders loaders yesterday. But they were peas and there was nothing on them that we're aware of, so we walked away from that. Okay. I've got a couple of uh, listener questions to you today, Graham, and it's the first opportunity that we've got to have listener questions, some interaction in the crib room. Um, Are you looking at more ground near Geordie and could you expect a a bit more with the resource upgrade on Panther? Uh, Well, we will come out with a resource uh, upgrade on Panther probably in about four weeks, I would think, Uh, but that timing I can't. Is a little bit out of our control. Uh, we're constantly looking at other prospects. That's Alex's main job, and and I help him with that. And we do. Uh, we have got offers on the table, but none of them been able to get through to the keeper. COVID nineteen. You've spoken a little bit about it, but has it had an impact on your operations? Oh yes, we we have uh, closed off roads, so that anyone that comes into the mine area has to go through a sentry uh, and. Uh, and they have to sign in and follow. The Mines Department being very active and they have a set of minimum standards they want us to comply with them and we're complying with those plus going over the top. Fantastic to see that there is that impact. A lot of people are thinking that mines are a bit laissez-faire at the moment when it comes to the COVID, but really if you get one particular case on your site, which you would be pretty much aware of, then, well, your production goes down and, and, and hello, that's a big effect on you, isn't it? Oh yes, no. Look, we're, we're all we were all a bit laissez-faire early on, but as soon as we realised this was serious, it wasn't going away. We had to act, and we acted reasonably quickly. Timor Lest, tell us about that. That's just been announced to the market very recently. Yes, well, uh, when uh, we were, well, it goes back quite a few years, back to about 2010, where we were first told there was a prospect up there. Uh, it took really until 2016 to locate where it was, and we sent two people up there. And I guess uh, it has a long way to travel in terms of uh, they need they have a the second lot of code um, mineral code which is based on West Australian mining legislation that will go in front of Parliament we believe sometime next year uh, the government's up there run five years and this government has been in power for twelve months things do move a bit slow but uh, that we met the chap who drafted the legislation uh, he went to university with. Um, Premier McGowan and we've had three meetings with him 
but he can't act for us, he acts for the government. So he's drafted the legislation, the legislation looks quite good to us, and provided we can get a secure tenement, uh, the government does have the right to take equity in the project at an early stage, and um, they we don't have a problem with that as long as it's uh, commercial. So the, the prospect for it is still up in the air? Oh, yes, no, it's got a long way to go, and, and really we probably wouldn't have announced it except... One of the government people that attended here uh, on the 14th of March came to site, did post through Facebook onto the government site that they'd been there and posted a photo. One of our diligent shareholders picked up the fact that uh, we'd, we'd had this delegation. So to some extent, we had to announce something that we think is a bit premature, but in the interest of disclosure to the market, uh, we disclosed that. Okay. Been approached by other gold miners. Have you? Have they been interested? Have they knocked on your door, Graham? And they said, "Oh, we're liking the look of what's happening with Beacon." Well, we we did have one meeting with Evolution, uh, but that was a long time ago, and I think their position was different to what it is today. So that was three years ago. So no, we haven't had any approaches. Looking at the dividend that you paid early on, uh, before you started to get into Geordie project or in the very early stages, what's the prospect of another possible dividend for shareholders? Well, three of the directors uh, combined own about 23 or 24% of the issued capital. And we have several friends, including Kelgley people who are shareholders. And I think one thing the majority of them would like to see as a dividend. So our primary objective is uh, by October to have sufficient cash in the bank to pay back our debenture holders. And once we do that, then we're then able to have a look at dividends to our shareholders. Do you look at the share price and get a little frustrated? Oh, not really. The share price is a true reflection of how the market sees uh, Beacon where it is. And I accept that. And having played in the share market for plus... 50 years, uh, that's the way it is. That's the market. What would you like to tell investors at this point in time or shareholders who are with Beacon? Uh, what's your message to them at, at the moment with the gold price looking like it's trickling just above, I think today it, it jumped to 17.30? Look, the gold price looks excellent for, for probably the wrong reason. They used to link the gold price to the oil price. Well, that linkage broke last week sometimes. There is no relationship between the gold price and the oil price. But... Uh, you know, the gold price is excellent. Uh, I fear for the world if the gold price was to get to 3000 US, but if it gets to 1800 to 2000 I'll be quite happy. Do you still try and bring your costs down at your particular site? Yes, we will announce our costs for this quarter, uh, possibly on Tuesday or at the latest Wednesday. Uh, one thing, as a close friend of mine, Tony Patrici, said from GO Engineering, ex-Calgary bloke, he said, well, you can control your costs. You can't control your revenue too good, so you've got to focus on your costs. And obviously, I'm cost-driven, so we're, we're still trying to reduce our costs. And what puts you to bed every night thinking about Beacon? I oh, obviously, my job is, is, together with help from Alex and with the chairman overseeing us, uh, is to keep looking for the opportunities to add value for shareholders. MD with Beacon. It is Graham McGarry joining us here in the crew room right on 20 minutes. I When I, when I first organised trying to get you on for a podcast, I thought, oh, how am I going to go with, with Macca on this? Because I know you do enjoy a chat, but thanks very much for keeping it to 20 minutes, Macca, and it's good to see you, my friend. The Crib Room series of podcasts are produced by Industry Link Media. Subscribe to podcasts via your audio platform and via industrylinkmedia.com. This is a Crib Room podcast.